It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey everyone, Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. I am thrilled to have you here. If you are a new listener, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much for being here. Hey, I would love to know what you think about the show. So please drop me a review. Let me know the kind of guests you'd like to hear. You can always also reach out to me at themidlifewhisperer.com. We have a great show today. One of our guests actually got COVID. So we will not be talking about frankincense and um, all the things that she is doing to protect the environment, but she'll be back. But today we have an incredible guest who is going to inspire you. Today's show is going to be all about courage and confidence. And you are really going to also learn about fierce self-compassion and how you can use these three C's, courage, confidence, and compassion to really shine brighter, be bolder, and rock your midlife. But first, I want to talk a little bit about one of the things that women at midlife really struggle with, and that is anger. I know myself for years, um, I swallowed my anger. I would be angry at, you know, mostly my husband. I'd be frustrated at my ex-husband and I would just swallow it and I would just boil over with all of this resentment and it would just be like Vesuvius. I'd like scream at my kids, maybe have some road rage, but anger is a real problem for women. We swallow it again and again and again. And study after study has shown that for men, anger is perceived as strong, decisive, credible, and of course, powerful. While as women, when we express that same emotion, we're perceived as, you know, she's a bitch, she's difficult, she's thrill, she's shrill. So, you know, anger is such a productive emotion when you are angry, whether that is at an individual or at something that you see, some justice in society, Anger can be an incredible a signal to move forward and do something different in your life. I like to think about anger as fire, right? It's a really fire ener fiery energy and certainly is a higher vibration than things like shame and depression. Often we reach for anger because we do feel kind of vital and alive, but for women, again, we swallow it. But with anger, you need to learn how to work productively with it. So anger can be a fire that burns your house down, right? You can be angry and you can blow up, particularly, you know, at your kids, at your boss, at a stranger when you just don't know how to handle anger productively. Or it can, anger can be a fire that cooks you dinner. It can be that thing that gets you, you know, off your butt gets you moving. And, you know, if you're looking for your passion and purpose, and I, and our guest today, Lori, is really going to fire you up of how she found hers. And I know a lot of midlife women are like, I don't know what's next for me. Think about where in the world you are angry. Where do you see injustice? What don't you like in your life personally or professionally? And that's a really good clue. Um, and then, you know, really what you want to do to have more confidence is really, and to really act on that, is ignite your courage muscle. Now, courage isn't just about being brave. Courage is really about following a path with heart. So courage, the root of the word is core, which is French for heart. So 
Courage means when your heart tells you to not swallow anger, whether again, that's something at work or it's a relationship with someone that you care about or some justice in the world, when your heart's telling you, okay, it's time to act, you follow your heart. That's really hard for all of us, particularly at midlife, because we get very stuck in our ways. And I can give you an example of numerous clients, but one client in particular, Beth, she for years swallowed her rage and she literally started to have thyroid issues. She had throat issues. She had gut issues. And all of it was related to her swallowing her anger and not having the courage to follow her heart and stand up for herself. And in our work together, we really worked on something called nonviolent communication, how she could communicate with the people in her life to get her needs met. And lo and behold, her throat issues went away, her stomach issues went away, and she became very empowered and was really able to make some big decisions in her life. And you know, when we, when we listen to our hearts, that also really helps us with confidence because the, the root of the word confidence is confide, which means to trust yourself. When your heart tells you, do that thing, you got to do that thing if you want to rock your midlife. And the more you step outside your comfort zone, the more you express your anger in productive ways to shift you and help you to find passion, purpose, meaning, get your needs met, the more confident you become in yourself. And another super tool, powerful tool to utilize is something called fierce self-compassion. You know, on the show, I've talked a lot about self-compassion and that sort of niceness and nurturing way of being towards yourself, treating yourself like you would a good friend. But self-compassion has a yang side. It's like that fierce mother bear that will defend her cubs no matter what. And so this fierce self-compassion is advocating for yourself. And that's kind of where I've been. I've been talking a lot about my breast cancer diagnosis and not just going with the status quo and really having the courage to listen to my heart and my body and determine what's right for me. And that fierce self-compassion has been really, really helpful to advocate for myself, to stand up for myself. So before we bring Lori on, I wanna do a little exercise that I think will be really super helpful if you want to deal with your anger. And this is actually something I did this morning. I was taking a Kundalini class that was all about anger and really got me fired up on how to work productively with this emotion. So. I'd like you to go ahead and maybe close your eyes and think about a situation in your life. Of course, unless you're driving, keep your eyes open, but think about a situation in your life where you feel the need to protect yourself, to draw boundaries, or to stand up to someone. So maybe you've been taken advantage of, or you know, a neighbor or a relationship in your life just doesn't feel right, or somebody's pushing their political views on you and you don't like it. So choose a situation and you want to choose something that's just a mild to moderately threatening, not something that overwhelms you. And then just visualize it. So go ahead and just look at who was there. Maybe not focus so much on a person or a group, but really focusing on the harm itself. So what's happening? What's going on? What's the boundary that's perhaps threatened or crossed? Just allow yourself to feel whatever emotions come up. So is it fear? Is it anger? Is it frustration? 
See if you can stop thinking about how and why you're in this situation. Instead, just tune into that physical discomfort it gives you. So notice any bodily sensations without judging or them or trying to change them. Maybe just roll your shoulders back. So your posture embodies strength and determination. And now what I'd like you to do is actually make a fist, place it over your heart. So take that right fist and place it over the left side of your heart. And just notice, this is fear, self-compassion. You are there for yourself. Maybe saying some phrases designed to invoke compassion. So I'm here for me. I'm ready to stand for myself, just to bring some mindfulness to what is happening. I see the truth of what's happening. That's mindfulness. And saying to yourself, this isn't okay. I shouldn't be treated this way. This is unfair. So just being there for yourself. And now maybe bringing a little softness. So taking your other hand and maybe just massaging that fist a little bit. Just allowing a little bit of that anger to perhaps just uh, giving yourself compassion for how much the anger, the frustration, is painful. So you're offering yourself compassion in the face of this thing that's threatening you, that's making you angry. Just to know that this is normal. Sometimes people have difficulties. Anger is normal. There's nothing wrong with it. That's to help you connect with this element of common humanity in self-compassion. So I'm not alone. Other people experience this. And then maybe just opening that bottom hand, that right hand and the left hand, and just maybe making some gentle circles and just feeling the warmth of your hands against your chest. And just invoking that sense of, I'm here for me. I love and care about myself. It's gonna be okay. Repeating some phrases that really help you to love and connect with yourself giving yourself permission to be that fierce mama bear. And when you're ready, you can go ahead and open your eyes. Just taking a moment just to come back to the space that you're in, noticing how you're feeling. And just know that you can return to this exercise anytime you want to, to really give yourself that fierce self-compassion when you were feeling angry or overwhelmed or frustrated with the situation, rather than just swallowing it, you can process that anger and then maybe even asking yourself, okay, what's next to me, next for me? What do I need to say? What do I need to do? So I hope that that has served you today. I know it's it's been working for me. I've been doing a lot of fierce self-compassion around uh, things that I am facing. And now we're going to Get inspired by our next guest. I first met Lori Ryder-Jabbar, I think about the end of 2021. She invited me on her amazing show, which is called She's a 10 Times 5. It is so fun. Whenever I listen to it, I have to I really hold, don't have to hold back the belly left. It is funny. It is so intelligent. It is so gutsy and has so much edge to it. So I'm so excited to welcome her on my program. Program, and she's best known for her ready, fire, aim personality. She was part of one of the earliest female graduating classes of the United States military at West Point. So this woman is a badass. After serving her country for six years in multiple locations in Germany, 
she decided to try her hand at something completely new and outside of her comfort by entering the world of entrepreneurship, centering around lifting others up. After starting and selling multiple companies, coupled with an epic startup fail, Lori decided to focus on being a mom and volunteer within her community. Leveraging the year of being home in 2020, Lori decided to launch a podcast with her friend Lisa with his first episodes airing in January of 2021. She's a 10x5, strives to provide a voice and relatable topics as well as inspire those women who want to live some of their best years after 40. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Lori. So awesome to have you here. Thank you, Ellen. It's good to see you and be here. I, I don't know how I follow up with that whole intro, though. I mean... <laughs> It, actually, I, I'm, I'm really glad that I'm part of this episode and that you went down that anger topic because I, I think it's on the tip of everyone's tongues. And I think we're all feeling a little bit of, you know, how do we process? Yeah, it is important. And I think even asking that question rather than just swallowing it as women of saying, I shouldn't be feeling this way. It's not ladylike and okay to feel it, but right. So we can all process it and then asking ourselves, what can I do about it? Yeah. 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 We all have triggers and we all have things that get under our skin. I think you're absolutely right. We tend, especially as 10 times fives, we, we kind of were trained to swallow it. Um, and I think, you know, there is a better way to process it. So thank yeah. you for that. I'm glad I was here. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we saw our moms, right? I know my mom yeah. was frustrated in her life. I mean, I'm kind of at the tail end of the baby boomers. I know you're Gen X, but we like we saw, right, the frustration that would happen and women really are not taught to be badasses, but that's changing. Yeah, it is changing. Yeah, 100%. So, so I'm curious about your, you know, to just give people a, um, a little bit of a taste of your experience at West Point and maybe sharing a little bit of the anger and um, or frustration that you felt or what it was like being you know, 10% of, of people in your class were female. Yeah. What that well, was I mean, that like? You know, the silver lining in that situation is the ratio of guys to girls. So you know, there's always a silver lining, Ellen. I mean, I, you know, I'm kidding. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I, my intention for going to West Point was to get a free, free education and to get a good one. I was a, um, a runner and actually, um, I did get hazed quite a bit. I mean, that's a real deal. I'm actually doing an episode tomorrow on our podcast because it's been asked is, did that shit really happen? And that shit really did happen. You know, we've come a long way since when I was at the academy. But I, you know, I look back and I, I think that being a woman in that environment, um, it didn't necessarily generate anger, maybe a little bit of anxiety, but I think it taught me resilience. And I think it taught me a really good asset of being able to relate to men you know, be part of the club, um, how to fight for a seat at the table, the metaphorical table as so to speak, and uh, just dealing with all kinds of situations and people. Yeah, I can imagine that it was a real pressure cooker. Did you have any idea what you were in for when you no. <laughs> walked no. through that door? No, it, it, and it's, it, I tell people this all the time. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget because I had I had never been further east than Utah before landing at the academy, and I'm I'm not even shitting you. So I show up, and my dad and then my dad flew out with me, and they say, "Okay, look at your son or daughter. This is the last time you're going to talk with them." 
for three weeks. And I remember my dad said, uh, you don't have to do this. And I go, I got this. I got this. So as soon as we got behind closed doors and they started yelling at me and, and I mean, it was something, um, then I thought, oh my God, what did I just do? I had no idea, no idea how, you know, the military aspect. So when you, when you go in, you're, you're taught to be in the military, but you're also taught to be a cadet. So, um, that was, that was an adjustment as, as a class clown personality for sure. Did you find that you were able to maintain your authenticity and individuality and also your femininity in this environment, which is, you know, so masculine and really wants you to to be a certain way? How did you sort of preserve that sense of self that is so vibrant today? Well, that yeah, you didn't really. I mean, you know, I did laugh a lot. I, I will tell you that and I had I, my cross country coach um, used to call me California Sunshine. And he would always say, don't let them take your smile away. So I kept that sense. But I mean, they they squeeze you in a box. You are in a box. You, you, I mean, we wear the same socks as one another. I mean, down you know to the T. And you, you conform. So I think it took me a long time after leaving not just the constructs of the academy, but also of the military to really shake back into kind of who I am. And, and, you know, now I, I tell people I had to be in a box for so long and now I'm just going to be who I am and, and love it or leave it, you know? Yeah, that's very cool. So it's kind of the, the contrast. So having tasted what it was like to have so much of your essence put in a box or, you know, having to fit in this box. Now you're like, damn it, I'm just going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will, the one thing that, um, and I, I mentor a lot of cadets, uh, both Naval and um, at West Point, and I tell them, I tell the female ones, I, I say, you know, please don't try to be a man because it doesn't work. I mean, it just, so I think I did fairly well in my lane because, and I didn't try to be a, a guy, you know, and a lot of women, I think, feel the need that in, when they're in that kind of environment that they have to rise up to the good old boy club and, you know, be one of the guys. Um, and I didn't, I didn't try to use my femininity as an excuse. I just kind of was me you know, and um, embracing the fact that I was a woman and physiologically uh, I couldn't do things, but, you know, mentally and emotionally, I, I could do everything that a male could do. And I didn't try to be, I didn't try to overdo it and be, you know, a rah-rah guy. So. And so how did the experience of being West Point, how has it served you today at midlife? So women who are listening, who are like, I know a lot of the women I work with are just really terrified to step outside their comfort zone. They don't have a lot of resilience. They haven't had experiences at places like West Point to really build that courage muscle and that resilience muscle. How has it served you now that you're like smack in the middle of midlife? Well, I think it's, you know, it's not just even midlife. I think it's served me in the way that I feel like no matter what, I'll figure it out. You know, um, you're, you get so much thrown at you. You have so much um, challenges. They, they basically break you down and then build you back up. So I think how it served me and, and, and I, you know, even now, I guess to a little bit midlife is, you know, we, I'm soon to be an empty nester and it's extraordinarily daunting. We, we're putting our house on the market because it's time. I mean, you go through a lot of milestones and change. And I do have that sensibility that, when I start to get a little bit anxious or feel a little timid, like, what am I doing? Or like, let's just say put kind of mentality. I do say, okay, everything's going to be okay. And um, I, I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. 
Yeah, it is. That's powerful. I find it's really helpful too, just to realize that everything is happening to you and really to focus on what's, what's truly, truly important. So how are you handling empty nest? Any <clears throat> tips on how, how that, how are you are doing with that? Not well. I mean, I'm like literally an emotional, like, yeah, I was in the kitchen the other I was in the kitchen the other day with my husband and um, we were fixing dinner because my, my bear cub, um, you know, made a request and he, I started to cry and he was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, who are you? And I said, I don't know. And in, in, in like less than six weeks, you know, we're not, what are we going to do? It's going to be, what do you want for dinner? You know, like, instead of like, oh, we're going to make this because Sean is here or Connor's here. But I have to remind myself that um, he's he's in such a good spot. He's happy. And that's what you really want. You really want to see your kid thriving and happy. And he's going to be with his brother off at college. But it is a lot harder, Ellen, than I thought. And my counterpart on the podcast, she's in the same boat. She has already dropped off her daughter. And I think it's just you just get a little bit more emotional, you know, yeah, but that's good because I think yeah. that behind that sort of all of that sadness is this deep love that you have and knowing that that phase of your life. But on the on the flip side, you've got this space. I've been I've been down the empty nose. My kids are twenty five and twenty one, so my youngest is uh, he's at Northeastern, so it isn't exactly like a you know freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. But um, I kind of love it. It's just nice to have more me time. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure I'll get there. You know, put me in Tuscany with a friggin' good bottle of wine. And I <laughs> Sean, who's Sean, you know? But the one dynamic that I think we have as parents is uh, we went through the two years of, you know, the pandemic with, with these. So you learn to spend a lot of time in each other's space. And I think uh, as a result of that, you know, very different type of relationship that I have with my youngest versus the one that was already off at college because we were forced to deal with one another for, you know, and for a long time and because he was homeschooling and, you know, and then we were locked in for a while and the social side was kind of shut down. So that created a closeness and a different type of relationship. Um, and, you know, that's what I think I'm going to miss is just the, the quiet. You know, just it's going to be a lot more quiet and I won't have the heavy footsteps or the laughter, you know, so. Yeah, it's well, it's hard to process it. I know when my mom, um, when my brother left, she would just go down to the basement and like play his records and just be so sad about it. And I think, you know, our generation. Okay, was... that's creepy. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> You're not going to. No. Go down and, and play his Spotify. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. In fact, yeah. I don't even like to walk in his room. It's like it's a it's a full on man cave. I I I stay the hell out of that place. <laughs> I'll close the doors and you know hope that someone uh, is braver than I am when they come in to look at the house. But it, you know, I think if people are struggling with emptiness, I find it again, it's just so powerful to have that second act to start working on that and to know that we get a whole second adulthood. So we have this like first adulthood where we raise our kids and we're focused on our work. And then we, you know, have this whole other period between like 50 to, you know, 80s, 90s, where we can create something really awesome. So you've created this incredible podcast. Yeah. Tell us about how that came about. That's kind of your well, hot second act. Well, first, let me address something you said, because I think it's really important, um, is identity and self-identity is, in my opinion, I've always really 
uh, taken pride in knowing that I needed that in my life. Like, yes, I love my kids and they come first. Yes, I have a husband. Yes, I have friends and family, but I also have me. And so even though I'm struggling with the physical changes, the environmental changes, I, um, I really think that me possessing my own identity is what I'm most excited about in trying new things and doing new things now for me that I've been putting off maybe perhaps. So, and that leads us to the podcast. So um, we, I, I turned 50 in uh, August of 2019 and it was a very, very hard birthday. I think we've talked about this, very hard birthday. I don't know why, just mentally, I like, oh God, I'm a friggin' half century. This is not gonna be good. So I started a little group test, called, uh, like a chat called Fireside Chatters. And it basically was, the idea is that if you're sitting around a fire pit or in front of a fireplace with your good girlfriends, what are you really gonna be talking about? It's probably gonna be that your kid was an asshole today your husband's driving you nuts, you know, you have this friendship issue or you're struggling with this. It's, it's not going to be the highlight reel we typically see people put out in the universe, right? Especially on social media. This, this little group chat thing, fast forward to 2020 and the pandemic, it went into overdrive. And I mean, we were, we were there for one another. We were sharing recipes. We were laughing. We were crying. And it really kind of became an oasis, a virtual oasis of sisterhood. And so I was on a walk with one of, and the funny thing is I called it the fireside chatters and then it eventually evolved into the salty fireside chatters. And then we became the salties. And so I was with one of my salties and I'm like, when we get out of here, like this should be the new front nine and not the back nine. Like we got to do stuff with our lives. We're 50, you know, this is our time now. And um, she said, you know, you're right. And you should take what you've created here in this chat and bring it to a bigger platform. Voila, she's a 10 times five. How did you come up with the, the name? I didn't, my counterpart Lisa did. And, and it's funny because I was like, oh, that, you know, okay, great name. But people love that name. Although Gina Davis does not like it, the actress. So uh, we, she gave us feedback that she thought the the connotation of, of, of being a 10 was was toxic. So, you know, but most people love it. And and it's and it's not about being a 10. None of us are ever friggin' tens. I mean, you know, most of the time we're we're lucky if we're we're teetering on five and six, right? Some days. But the idea is that every day is a perfect effort. Every day you're you're putting your perfect self out there to the best of your abilities and you're owning your shit. You're, you're owning who you are. And to me, that's a 10, you know? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great attitude to have. And I think that whole attitude of just like your, your best days actually are in front of you. I mean, that's what I am finding now that I, you know, I'm, I'm way beyond my, I'm looking at the big six O now. So I don't know if it's a, she's a six times 10. Yes, it um, is. Where, where I am at, but just, um, Life's so you know good. I have to wear shades sometimes. I think you get to this place where you're just walking through your life, and you know you know your story is unfolding, and you realize that you have the power to write it. And Quince's opportunities start happening. I'm wondering what kind of doors the podcast is open for you and for Lisa. Well, first of all, I we had no expectations when we started it. It was you know kind of like let's just jump and take a leap of faith and, and, and it is, it's taken off. I mean, we, we've been very blessed. I had no idea, Ellen, how many women out there really want to share their stories. 
I mean, we, we, we get like 10 plus guest requests a week from really accomplished women. And I think it's because we're a generation and, and you even more so as a 10 times almost six, keep your secrets close. We don't share those things. And now I think a lot of these women are in a place, and especially if they've been through like trauma, where I wanna tell my story. So that has been a huge blessing and silver lining for both Lisa and I. The second thing is we've been able to meet so many incredible women. And, and I'll use an example like of us, like, you know, we, we meet you or whatever. And then one of my girlfriend's sister sends a picture of her sister in a Vegas pool with two hot guys next to her reading <laughs> Rock Your Midlife. And, you know, that kind of connecting of women and creating and cultivating and enforcing that sisterhood because I think, you know, the secret's out. Women are supporting women and um, that has been really great. And I, I love to set the, the right example for the next gens. Like this is important because I don't think we did a very good job of it when I was coming up the ranks, um, 20, 30 year old. And I think now it's really important to set the stage for other women to, hey, we lock arms and it's not me, you know, it's not a one-off situation. If I do well, it doesn't take away from you. And, and then, you know, for my kids, you know, I have two, you know, boys and I'm trying to set an example of, you know, using your platform to make change and affect lives. And even at the littlest level, it's important. Powerful stuff. And I think we'll talk back. We're gonna take a little break, but after the break, we can talk more about how you really became empowered as a woman, you know, after being in a male dominated environment at West Point, which is about the most patriarchal male dominant environment you can be and your entrepreneurship and how you really found power in being a woman. So I love this idea of all of us lifting each other up. We're gonna take a little bit of break. You are listening to rock your midlife. If you want to get in touch with me, just go to the midlifewhisperer.com, the midlifewhisperer.com. And if you want to take a listen to She's a 10 times 5, it is on all the podcast platforms. My episode, I think, was early January of uh, 2022. So we'll be right back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause, and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. 
every Wednesday here on Voice America Live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back, everyone. I want to let you know that the show is sponsored by TheOptimal.me. For the midlifer who wants to feel younger, stay active, independent, and energetic without pain or injury, and feel confident that this phase of life is their best yet. I have been enjoying their integrated movement exercises. It's awesome whether you are a jock or you are just trying to get into fitness. There is a program just for you. You can take control of how you age with TheOptimal.me. You're never too old to take a smarter approach to aging and give yourself the freedom to make this chapter whatever you hoped for and more. So check them out. It's theoptimal.me. Your first 30 days are absolutely free and I guarantee that you will love it. So we want to get back to talking to Lori Ryder-Jabbar. We were talking about before the break really about women and I'm just curious how have you been able to really um embody that that feminine energy you know in a man's world so first of course we talked a little bit in west point and then in entrepreneurship how have you been able to use being a woman and lead in a different way rather than you know just saying i'm, I'm just going to do the male thing i'm going to act like the guys and we used to dress with them i remember my first job we would have those you know big shoulders and big hair and try to act like men but what what was your secret to really embodying that feminine energy in terms of leadership and moving forward with entrepreneurship? Well, you know, entrepreneurship and especially high tech is that that's the industry I went into, which God talk about an extreme pivot, right? Mm -hmm. Go from the constructs of the military and then, you know, well, guess what? I'm going to go into high tech and in the gold rush time and 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 then oh, I'm going to start a company. Um, it's very male. That was very male dominated as well like high tech, there weren't a lot of C-suite women um, in the high tech industry at that point in time. So I was selling to a lot of men, you know, when I started my company, it would, it would have to be engaging. And again, just, I, I think I just felt comfortable in my skin and I knew my capabilities of what I could deliver. And I had a really, really, you know, I had a really great team and I'd always tell them like, you know, um, you can't teach what you don't know or lead what you've never been. So I'm not going to pretend I know everything. And I really empowered my team to kind of in areas that I was uncomfortable with or unknowledgeable about. 
I let them take the lead and really foster them um, to be kind of the face of certain topics or projects or whatnot. So it sounds like you were able to sort of step back and not have to drive the whole ship and you really understood the power of letting other people do their thing to support the endeavor. What did what was your actual business? Well, I had I had multiple businesses. Uh, my first one was actually a consulting services company, um, and I basically we would dot com HR. So we it was in a time where I know now everyone is so used to everything being app driven, but back then the internet was just coming on, uh, on onto the scene, right? And so we would go in and we would basically help large enterprises with bringing the in internet inside for their employees. I sold that company and after two years, um, and then and then the high tech crash hit. And then we actually relocated to San Diego. And so I kind of then got wrapped into a franchise company. And it was in the, um, the mommy me kind of gymnastic thing. And I was doing it with my my kid. And I really loved the program. And I said, Hey, we should we should take this we should take this global like I had big ideas. And I'm like, Yeah, they so it was a mom and pop shop that basically we grew nationally and internationally. And then we sold that. And then I uh, got wrapped up in another company and it was a media company. And, you know, we work with the likes of Nick Jr. and whatnot. And, you know, I, I, I broke my code, which Ellen, I always say, you know, never invest or don't ever try to lead something that you have no clue about. And I had no clue about media and it, all the facets and, that, that's the one that almost killed me. And that's the one that drove me into retirement, basically. So. And so what did you learn from your failure about that? That you had two successes and then the last one didn't work besides the fact that don't go into an industry that you don't know too much about. Anything else that you learned from, from that company not working? Happiness. I was miserable with that company. I mean, you know, when, when you're an entrepreneur, it's it's almost inevitable that some of your personal identity and ego get wrapped up in it, especially if you start it from the ground zero, if it's your idea and concept. So you never want to see it fail. So you, you become this passionate, like, and it never, you never leave it at that. There's no boundaries within your life. There's always something left to do. There's another thing on, oh, another idea, whatnot. But I was extraordinarily unhappy because it was consuming so much of my time so much of um, creating so much anxiety in my life and my, and my, it was impacting my kids. Like they, they could see it, even though they couldn't feel it with me, I, they can def, they, my energy was definitely off, you know, like I was always somewhere else. And so I learned that nothing, no amount of money, no amount of success or, you know, whatever, it, it was just not worth it. And walking away and, and saying, you know, waving the white flag when your your heart's not, happy is a very hard thing to do, but very good. How did you have the courage to do that, to leave the work and move forward and figure out what would make you happy? Well, it was very hard because I had brought in outside investors and some of which I had longstanding relationships with. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't let them down. So, you know, I had to kind of you know, wait till the right moment. So fiscally, financially, uh, I was able to personally take a loss, but, um, they didn't. And, you know, lucky for me, I had, I was in a financial position where, um, I could take the break because of, you know, we, we'd been pre 
pretty prudent and pretty financially, you know, stable for a while. So, you know, not everyone can walk away with a loss, but I took a, I took a loss in, in many ways on that one. <laughs> well, nothing is worth happiness. I know I talked to, yeah. a, I've had no so many clients, lawyers who've decided to be authors, corporate executives who've decided to like ditch the work that they're doing and go, you know, walk the long trail for six months and figure it out. So if you're listening and you're, you're unhappy, it's your heart is telling you like, this is totally not for me. Or it's, if you're just stuck. I, I just had a, one of our guests, her name's Lauren Glassberg. She has been a news anchor for her entire career. And so she's, a, you know, kind of like me in early 10 times five. And she called me and she's in downtown Manhattan and she's on ABC Eyewitness. So it's a great, you know, reputable brand of media. But it's like she's just stuck. Like there's no, I, I can do this for the next 10 years and not grow and not see any financial upside and feeling, you know, unappreciated because she'd been doing it for so long. And so, you know, I said to her, yeah, now's the time, take the leap. You know, if you've got an opportunity, just go for it, you know? Um, and easier said than done, right? You know, but, but yeah, I think we tend to feel that, that we're, we're stuck. And just like I was saying earlier in the show, you know, I've, I've been in my home for, you know, 18 years and this is, this is the routine we've established. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm turning it on its head. Right. And a lot of times I think our inclination is just to kind of get in our bunkers, right. In our foxholes and to stay put, even though there's opportunity and, and it seems chaotic, but it, it actually is going to be very rewarding for us. Right. Yeah, well, that's just the way the brain works. So your brain isn't interested in you being happy and fulfilled and finding your passion and purpose. It just wants to stay safe. And things that are stepping outside a comfort zone, doing things differently, you know, really get that fear brain active. So human beings are programmed not to grow. And I think it's, I don't know, in some ways with women stepping outside your comfort zone, especially at midlife, is so hard because we're so dug in, just doing okay. the same thing all the time and getting the same results and wondering why we're not joyful and we're not happy. So I'm curious, what are some of your you know, top five or so tips for women who are listening and, and want to have more confidence, want to live with more joy and be happier? What are your sort of top five ways to kind of kick yourself in the butt and get yourself out there doing something different, anything different so that you're rocking your midlife? Well, I think first of all is self, I would start with self-reflection and being really honest with yourself. And that is a very hard thing to do. Um, a lot of us have established relationships that are longstanding, but they're at a point where kind of shaking free of them is this time They, you know, it's the season's over for that relationship, but we hang on to it. So I would say start with self-reflection. Absolutely. I do it all the time. Every morning with my cup of coffee, everyone knows I'm outside with the birds chirping, better not interrupt me. It's my time just to kind of take inventory of me. So and do you journal or just sit with your coffee and listen to the birds? I, I, I every once in a while journal, uh, cause I know it's so powerful to actually write stuff down that you're feeling. I will do that when it's a very powerful thought or feeling, but I, I tend to just like let myself kind of my mind and heart just kind of, you know, reflect. Right. And the other thing I would say is that, um, you know, I think now's a time for us midlifers to really invest in the relationships that help us grow you know, whether it be a friend or a family member, um, you know, because 
they're the ones that are going to, I always say the air you breathe in is the air you breathe out. And so when you're breathing really great, your vibrations with that person and you're investing in that relationship, they're going to push you and you're going to push them and to try new things and to do cool stuff and, you know, pick up a new hobby, like pickleball. You know, I picked up pickleball because someone, I, I thought it was ridiculous. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Even the name is ridiculous. And they're like, no, Lori, you're absolutely love it. And come on. I'm obsessed. I'm totally on a pickleball train. So, uh, yeah, like I, if, I always walk around the house saying pickleball is life. Um, so I, I would have say not invest- yet done that yet. Yeah, you got I, it. We're, well, it's, we're, it's, they're it's, thinking about building. I live in a little island in yeah. Lake Champlain, and they're actually thinking about building a little court because there's a lot of retirees who want to play. So, oh I'll, my god, and 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 got to try and, it. And the real, like the ten times sevens. Don't let them fool you. They are good. They are sneaky ninja good, and they're so competitive. Um, it's the fastest growing sport. So, but I got on the pickleball bandwagon way before it was a thing. And, um, I would also say it goes back to self-identity is, you know, we get so wrapped up in our children and our, you know, even sometimes our career that we, we forget about ourselves and what makes us happy. And I think reminding ourselves that we need a little piece of just our time, our, you know, self, self love, self help, whatever, and not apologizing for it. Like getting to the point where like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do this because I need to for me. And I think that that is another really important thing to do and not apologize. We apologize for fucking everything. (laughs) I mean, I'm so tired of women apologizing for being women, let alone like, you know, like, and I've stopped applying, you know, I say to my, I have adult kids, you have adult kids. And I, I say to them, they look at me sometimes like I got food on my friggin' face. And I'm like, you know what? I'm human, just like you. And you are seeing my human condition and I'm not going to apologize for it. Give me, give me my space and I'll be fine. So anyways, I say those are the three things is, um, you know, breathing in the right air and, you know, and then taking time for yourself but also taking time to self-reflect and, and, and that honesty, honesty has become like a huge mantra for me because I feel like I lived so dishonestly for so many years. And I don't mean like telling big lies or whatever, but not being honest with the way I'm feeling, whether it's in a relationship or a situation with myself and then with my environment. And what I mean by that is, is exactly what you said. Like, let's say I'm angry about something beginning a show. I mean, have we not all been there where we're angry, but we, oh, I don't want the confrontation or I I don't want to be honest about it, about how I'm feeling. And I've learned and I've really made a concerted effort. And my counterpart, Lisa, is so good with it because she really is my yin and my yang. She's the soft, warm, you know, gooey side of the podcast. And I'm the, you know, little fireball. But being honest and then being honest with others. And you know what? I I will apologize for conduct. I will apologize for handling a situation in an inappropriate fashion. I will not apologize anymore for the way I feel. Yeah, that's powerful because all your feelings are valid. And I I love that. I mean, the self-identity is so important. I think, you know, as women at midlife, we're always looking to others to define us, right? Our kids, our spouse, our workplace, or or really trying, I know that was my situation, trying to twist myself into a pretzel thinking, well, if I'm perfect, if I do all the things that they want me to do, 
then they'll be happy. Like working so hard to make other people happy that we forget about our own happiness. And then we get incredibly dishonest with ourselves. And then we wonder why we aren't happy. So I find the self-identity piece, it's so powerful to do that self-reflection, to find that time when things come up for you and you want to do something for yourself to not feel friggin' guilty. I hear that all the yeah. time for women. I'm working with women and they think, well, I, I want to take that class. I want to do that traveling. And then all of this guilt kind of bubbles to the surface and they think, well, then I won't be available for my kids and my grandkids. And do I really deserve this? Yes, you do deserve it. It's your life. It's so important to put yourself first. It's not about yep. being selfish. We get to do our own life. So I love the self-identity. I also really enjoy um, asking other people. If you're not sure, ask other people, what are my strengths? What am I awesome at? What do you love about me? And then there's also all kinds of character strength tests you can take. I detail them in my book, Rock Your Midlife, things like the uh, VIA character strength, um, the Clifton strength, just to sort of get to know yourself. Think about like, what did you do? I'm, I'm curious, um, Lori, what did you want to be when you were five years old? An Avon lady. You remember Avon? Oh, of ding, course. Ding dong, yeah. And then I really wanted to be, um, I'm a huge sports fan. So, um, and, and gosh, thank God my kids are sports fans because it's something we, football, NFL, like forget about it. On Thursday night, we're glued to the TV. On Sunday, we're glued to the TV. So I wanted to be a sportscaster. And I, I you know, you know, that again, you know, that was, everyone said, oh gosh, you were a woman, you'll never be able to do that. And so that was my dream. And then, um, yeah, I just, I kind of just had so many twists and turns. And I think that's part of the beautiful magic of life is, you know, I, we, we try to get in a lane so quickly now and we do it with our kids, these poor kids that, you know, I've got an 18 year old, he's looking at me going, going off to college. He's like, mom, I, I don't know what I want to do. How do I pick a major? I, like, how do I, and I'm like, you're not supposed to. And you know what, you're going to pick something and then you might change it. And I think that we have gone, gotten away from, the ability just to kind of let it flow, you know, like you're going to pivot, you're going to have roadblocks, you're going to have, you know, a lot of failure in your rear view mirror. Um, I posted the other day, I saw a quote on, um, I think it was Will Ferrell, the, the musician, I saw it in People Magazine because I was on a plane. And it said, um, I'm not a big fan of rear view mirrors, I'm a windshield kind of guy. And um, yeah, I think we learn from our review, but I think we, you know, okay, you know, look forward. Look yeah, Wayne forward. Dyer used to say that all the time to look yeah. forward, not don't to look, you know, don't look in your rear view. And it, no matter what you've done wrong, and, you know, and, and again, thinking, thinking about my breast cancer diagnosis, I, I, cause this to happen in a large regard around the way I treated myself, but I need to forgive myself and move forward and figure out what I can do to love and support myself. So I think you're absolutely right. We need to kind of let all of that past stuff go and forgive ourselves and be honest with where we're at. I think midlife is like that chrysalis, right? Where we yeah. have this period. And I think you're, are you a butterfly yet? Are you, do you feel like you are kind of uh, flapping your wings and not quite? I think I'm, I, I think there's movement on the, in the wings. I got, I, I, you know, I got a long way to go. I had someone actually tell me, and it really bothered me, um, and this was not a 10 times five. So this was a, is you're a lot. And I, I, it made me kind of step back. And, and the last thing I wanted to say um, is you, you gotta be have thick skin too. And I think as we get older and, you know, we get out of our chrysalis and we start to flap our butterfly wings is, you know what? 
if someone doesn't like you, we got to be, get away from being worried about being judged and whatever. And I, cause I th- said to myself, I go, you know what, this is an individual that I'm not a lot. You, you want me to dim because maybe perhaps you're feeling not enough and I'm not going to do that. And so if my, a lot is too much, then we're not for each other because my, a lot is what people love about me. Right. So I think we got to stop beating ourselves up and worrying about what other people think and just fucking go. Yeah, absolutely. They're just projecting, as you said, and I love your a lot. I think you're just such an awesome voice out there. I just think we have a couple of minutes just talking about how midlife is changing, right? Shows like yours, mine, the books, the women talking about menopause. Like, what are you finding so incredibly invigorating about how we are working together as women to say, we're making this the best time of our life. This is a really awesome time. Yes, there are challenges and there's things like emptiness we're dealing with and divorce and difficulties with loved ones, but it's awesome. Like, what are you seeing in terms of the shift? I think that the secret is out that women are supporting women. And I think um, as a result of that, I think we're inspiring one another to make this shift. That makes sense. Yeah. And we're also, I think we're coming out as individuals. Like you said, yeah. you know, not everyone, you know, likes all of us, but I, I think we met on Instagram and I'm always so amazed at women who are just ordinary women, like who are coming yeah. out and just doing their thing and speaking their truth. And well, look how- at you, Ellen, I mean, you're the example, like you're, you're one of those gray foxes. I mean, your Instagram is, is just, I, I, I adore the videos you put up because you just, you're just you. You're just you to completely authentic. I don't care. This is who I am. Love me or leave me. And I, I, I think that is so great. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate it, especially coming from you. And I know you guys are, are the same way about that. And I think, you know, the first time I remember coming out, it was years ago, I had this brand called Smasher Scale with my ex-husband that was going nowhere. But I instead of the sort of made up 40 something, I came up at my as my 50 something, just a regular shot my dad had shot. And my heart was pounding a mile a minute because we had this idea on social media that we're supposed to be perfect, right? We're yeah. supposed to have the perfect makeup and the perfect outfit. And everybody loved it. You know, I got so many likes and it was just, it's so, such a great opportunity for all of us to just be ourselves. And I think the more of us come out and are ourselves, the more we give everybody else permission to do the same thing. Yeah. Amen, sister. Yeah, it's it's not a contest. So we only have a couple of minutes. What's your what has been um, your top one or two guests you've had on your show? For people oh, listening, wow. if they want to get to know you guys, where should they start? Besides you, um, oh, uh, we had we've had Kel- the great Kelly Emberg, one of the um, she was our first guest, one of the very earliest supermodels. We've had Leah Black of Miami. Um, everyone knows her from The Real Housewives, but she is a badass boss. Lauren Glassberg, who I mentioned, uh, we have had, I, I think, 12 now best-selling authors, from wow. yourself to Sarah Schulten Krantz to Kara Brookins. Um, so I'm just going to say, because we only have a moment here, check it out. Um, Lori, thank you so much for joining us. Check it. out. She is a 10 times 5. It is so fun. It's been awesome having you. And do check out theoptimal.me if you're looking to get in shape. And thank you so much for joining. If you want to get in touch with me, you can check me out at themidlifewhisper.com. That's themidlifewhisper.com. Thanks again, Lori. It's always a joy to talk with you. Back at you, babe. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, 
and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voice